0: I learned today something really important, and that's not to sit next to Lynn at lunch, because if something's going on in his life and he's not going to be hit the mine, then he looks to the person to his left and says, hey, what are you doing tonight? Um, I've been in ministry for 17 years. Um, I have three great kids. My my wife and I celebrate our our 18th wedding anniversary, December 18th. Um, And I'm, yeah, yeah, she's stuck with me for 18 years. That's, guys, there's hope. Um, But I've... I've been in ministry for for a while, and this is one of those passages that I've avoided <laughs> my my entire ministry career. Um, Lynn said, hey, we're speaking in Ephesians. And I said, awesome, I love Ephesians. I'm thinking of armor of God, really cool stuff that's easy to talk about. And he's like, we're in Ephesians 3. I'm thinking, all right, I, I, that's not bad. And then he told me verse 10, once I'd already committed to it, and I started looking through, and I was like, oh, nuts. That's, that's the verse. That's the passage. Um, so, and, and throwing that out there up front to you, I'm a youth minister by trade, so when I get really nervous, you're going to get a lot of jokes. Um, and if I get really, really nervous, then I'm just going to leave. Um, and so j- just know that up front. If you have a really difficult question, Lynn definitely, before I, I left his office today, he said, please tell them to save those for me, because I, I cherish those, and he, he really wants those next week. Um, so if you have something that's really on your heart that you're just struggling with, out of Ephesians, man, please write that dude down so you don't forget, and he would love for you to share that with him um, next Thursday or next Tuesday. That would be awesome. Um, we're in Ephesians chapter three. Is that right? I've never been to the mine before. This is something I've wanted to be a part of and just haven't been able to. So, thank you for letting me be here with you. Um, we're in Ephesians three. We're going to start in verse ten, which I think is where we're picking up. Um, I think that's where you guys left off two weeks ago. So but before that, just because we had a week off, let's kind of catch up a little bit. You guys help me out. Y'all talk during this, right? Please? Okay. Um, let, let's kind of catch up just, just a little bit to, to find out what was going on. I, I listened to the podcast today for a little bit, um, and, and some of the things I heard Lynn saying last week was that just this cool title that we have is servants, um, right? Does that ring a bell with anybody? Um, the, earlier in chapter 3, We're we're called servants, and then Lynn kind of spun it, and and we read this other verse where we're called sons. And so we talked through—you guys talked through this not too long ago about how that cool transformation uh, from servant to son and something about Prince of Persia. Um, I don't understand where that fit in, but I'm just going to trust that it's there, and I'll watch the movie later. Um, I I remember Lynn saying something about, as a servant, you really don't get an opportunity to talk back to your master— um, and, and so kind of, kind of just get some of this resonating with you again um, I remember him saying something about um, That, that in, in Romans like, like well, Let's look there real quick In Romans 8.15 You have this cool This really cool transformation I thought we could start with this And it's um, For you didn't receive the, a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear But you received the spirit of sonship And by him we cry Abba, Father i spent the last two hours in preparation for tonight, crying to my Abba Father, Lord. Please give me strength um, to help me know what to say to you guys tonight. So, but before we tear into this, um, I, I told you I'd give you a chance to leave because now you know pretty much what you're in for. Um, I, I want to pray just for us to get started in this because um, this seriously is one of Ephesians 3:10 is one of the heaviest passages of Scripture, um, in my opinion, that's in there because it calls us as the church to be something that I don't think we are um marriages are under attack like never before and it's divorce is rampant across the the world right now um and I, I think even more than worldly marriages are under attack I think this earthly marriage of God and the church is under attack and I I, I see a divorce happening in churches between what church is called to be versus what it is and Ephesians three ten is going to challenge us tonight um and it's very heavy it's very weighty and It's it's scary. So before we dig into that I just I would love for you to pray with me And just ask god to step into this place and give us wisdom. That's well beyond me Um, or this isn't going to be very fun for any of us Um, So if you would would y'all would y'all pray with me, please Um, Lord jesus um, God, I I thank you for your grace Um, I thank you for the fact that I don't have to understand everything for you to still be god um, and Jesus, honestly, I thank you for the fact that I don't understand a lot of things because um, if, if I understood you, God, you wouldn't be big enough for my problems. So God, thank you for, I, I don't even know what it means, God, to, to go from servant to son and why you would do that. But Jesus, thank you for, for calling me son and for adopting me into your family. And, and God, I just ask that tonight in this place, um, God, would you be here? And, and Jesus, right now, would you show up in this building? Would you show up in our hearts and in our minds? And God, as, re, as we read your word, Jesus, would you make it come alive? And God, more than anything tonight, would we not leave this place educated, God, but would we leave this place ready to go and put into, put into action what you throw out there before us today as wisdom? So God, in the next few moments, I just, I, I need you, Jesus. So would you speak through me in a way that I don't understand? And would you give me wisdom in ways I don't understand? And God, would, would your word come alive? And God, would it change us before we leave this place tonight? And Jesus, I, I don't know anybody else to ask this to, so I ask this in your powerful, unblemished name. Amen. Awesome, you're still here. <laughs> Whew, I was nervous to open my eyes, I was going to preach like this, but hey, so Ephesians 3.10, let's, let's start there. Actually, b- before we get into to this, um, this, is, this is really, this is scary, so I want to, I don't know if this is legal, but so I didn't ask. Um, I want to skip to verse 14, and we're not going to go through it, like, because I want to save that for Lynn, and hopefully we make it to 14, that's my goal. But Paul knew how heavy this was, and he prayed this, this really cool prayer in this. And I just want to read that kind of over us, because it's going to set up, hopefully, what we're going to talk about. Look in verse 14 with me. Um, it says, For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom His whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of His glorious riches, He may strengthen you with power through, the, through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than than we ask or imagine, according to his power— that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. It's a powerful prayer. <laughs> Holy cow, I love that, that that whole part about that we we can just grasp how wide, how long, deep, um, and how high Christ's love is for us. Thinking that through, and, and thinking, letting that prayer just kind of sink in over us, go to verse 10 and let, let's look. It says, His intent was that now through the church. The manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. So uh, let's stop for a second, because there's a couple, of, there's, there's four really good questions I want us to get in this, and I would love to hear your feedback. Uh, so again, let's look at it. His intent, which his is God, God's intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Somebody give me, man, what is the church? Let, let's start basic. Um, his intent that is now through the church... What is the church? Let's let's start there. Okay, um, where more than one is gathered, definitely. Um, we are the church. We are the church. Okay. Somebody else. It's hard to see somebody else. What 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 is the church? Because you're you're definitely right. It's it's we are the church. It's where one or more are gathered. Um, the church isn't a building it can take place in a building for sure. Um, somebody, believers. hold on. I, I can barely hear you. Sorry. The believers, The believers, the believers are the church. Okay. Um, does, does this ring a bell as you're reading through scripture? The church is, is the bride of Christ. Um, does that ring true to anybody? Men remember that moment they open the doors and there she is. If you're married in this room, guys remember how scary, how beautiful, how wonderful and how petrified you felt all at that one moment. Um, That's the bride of christ is the church if the church is all these things. It's us as believers It's not a building. I heard this really cool thing once that the church um, Doesn't take place inside a building. It's what happens after we say amen and we go into the world I've always liked that the church is us in motion The the church isn't what we know. It's not degrees. It's not knowledge It's what we put into action The, The church is us as a body of believers. The church is us gathered together. The church is one or more together in one room glorifying god but the church happens when we go out of this place and do something. I, I like to think of the church as like a football game. Um, it's not the huddle, it's when the play starts. Nothing really good happens in the huddle. Um, some talking goes on, people, you know, good game pats and they talk about, you know, whatever they're gonna do after the game, maybe talk through what's next, but nothing really happens until they break the huddle and, and get on the, the line of scrimmage, right? The church for us happens when we get out into the line of scrimmage. Now That's the easy question. This is where we get difficult. Let me read it again. The intent was that now through the church, so that now through us, through the body of Christ, through the bride of Christ, through us gathered together, through believers gathering together in God's name, the manifold wisdom of God... That's your next question. Get ready. The manifold wisdom of God should be main known to the rulers and authorities of the heavenly realms. These are the three questions that I think are three really good questions in here that I would love to hear your insight on. One is this. Who are the principalities and the powers? So Because it, it says that... Um, that through the rulers and the authorities, who, who is that? Um, two, what is the divine wisdom? What what is this thing that it says that through the manifold wisdom or the divine um, wisdom of God? I'd love to know what that is. And then three, how do we make it known? So that that those are the three questions I would love for us to get through tonight because they're not easy. <laughs> so one, what are, what are the what are the rulers and the authorities? Um, two, uh, what is the divine or the um, the manifold wisdom of God. And then three, how do we make that known to people? So let, let's start with the beginning. What is, who, who are the principalities or the powers? Depending on your translation, who, who are the authorities in the heavenly realms? They're the hierarchy of demonic angels. Okay. The hierarchy of demonic angels or the heavenly realms, um, the principalities of the air, definitely. Somebody else? I was going to say angels or the living creatures. Okay. okay. Um, and and that, that's it right on. Let, let's go to, go to Ephesians 6, which you'll be hitting us here in a little bit. But um, go, to, go to Ephesians 6 and, and look um, in verse 11. This honestly is what I was hoping I would get to talk from tonight is this little section. And Lynn kind of did me dirty. Um, but put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Same phrasing right there. So um, let's look, go back to verse 10. His intent, remember God's intent is for us as the church to take the manifold wisdom and it should be made known to the rulers and authorities so we know who we're taking it to. So now manifold wisdom of God. Somebody help me. What is the manifold or what is this this mystery, this, this wisdom of God? Um think it was the plan of salvation and Jesus's role in that okay the, the plan of salvation and how Jesus fit into all of that by saying the manifold is that the the Trinity um, I don't think it means the Trinity so much I think the manifold of it it just means that there's there's different there's different channels of God's wisdom there's different channels of God's plan in this um, but I don't know specifically if it's speaking of the the Father Son and the Holy Ghost as, as far as that being manifold. Is it more like um, how his wisdom is transformed to us through his word, through other people, through um, through the Bible, through actions? Okay, so it's how his wisdom is transported through us through his word yes. or through our actions, our interactions with other people. Uh, I, I think all of these are right. I, I feel that like all of that is, is definitely what, what Paul is trying to get through to them. But let's look at this really, really close because I'm telling you this is This is going to make you have a really long night of not sleeping. Um, His intent, God's intent that is now, that through us as the church, which we just described, the manifold wisdom of God is made known to the rulers and authorities of the heavenly realms. This, This is saying our job as a church is to get this manifold wisdom of God and to present that before Satan and before the demonic forces that are in the air and the world around us. Um, our, our job as a church... And let this, let this sink in for a second. Our job as a church... What we do as church... And this should definitely change how you think about church in the next few seconds. What we do as church has cosmic and eternal ramifications. Let that sink in for a second. What we do as church and what we do as a body of Christ... Has a, It's not just on this earth. It has a cosmic view. Um, I really feel like... Gosh. I really feel like what we do as a church, we're teaching what God's manifold wisdom is to Satan and to his demons. And we're proving that true. And I want to show you why I think that. Um, I feel like God's manifold wisdom is is... Let, let, that's where we're at I, I feel, go to go to verse 12 uh, and, and let, let's look in that for just a second um, it says in him and through faith in him we may approach God with freedom and confidence and we're going to get to this in a second and I ask you therefore not to be discouraged because of my suffering for you which are your glory I I feel like what God's manifold wisdom and what he's trying to tell us that we're supposed to do through this is this beautiful mystery of how Jesus came to this planet, not just to forgive and to be the redemption of our sins, but to pull together, to to pull together us as God's children, to to pull together into unity, what we are as God's children, to pull together, in this case, the Gentiles and the Jews, to pull them together because it's Lynn, I'm sure it's already gone into the, the whole friction between the two different um, races of people, the, the, the Jew and the Gentile, just the, the feuding and, and the, the fighting that was between that. I, I feel like God's, God's wisdom, his manifold wisdom in this, is to show it how through Jesus, his, his plan in this, and I think that's what it's saying in, in verse 11, where it says his eternal purpose, which is accomplished through Christ Jesus our Lord, is to pull together these two things. Go to John 17 real quick. If you haven't read John 17 in a while, I really challenge you to do that because it it, um, it, it's it's this beautiful prayer that Jesus prays basically for us as a church. Um, Like verse 20, it says, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Think for just a minute what would happen if churches didn't fight and we didn't bicker against each other, um, I haven't been in Arizona very long, but I know in Texas um, there was a lot of our church versus your church mentality. Um, and I don't know if that's the case here or not. No, this probably isn't the time or the place to, to bring that up. If it is, but just just speculate for a minute and just think what what would happen if churches stopped fighting each other and stopped and started fighting with each other. Does that make sense? We, we realize that we're not the enemy, but Satan is. And we approach this planet and the world and the problems of this world as one. Go through and read John 17 tonight. That's basically Jesus' entire prayer through that. Is that we as the church would be one. And that the world would know his love for us through how we're unified. I think, I think part of this, this manifold wisdom... I think part of it, and this is probably part of the mystery, is Jesus coming and bringing together two groups of people that didn't want to be together. Jesus died not just for the Jew, but for the Gentile. Jesus died for all of us, for our sins to be forgiven. Jesus died and paid this beautiful price to give us salvation, gave us this beautiful price to redeem us of our sins and paid the ultimate price for it. And it wasn't so that we could gather together and, and... I don't know how to say this nice. It wasn't so that we could gather together and assemble. What we do as a church, and and this isn't me, this is Paul. He's saying that God's intent, what we do as a church, is that through us as the church, the wisdom of the cross of Jesus Christ, the wisdom of salvation, the the wisdom of Jesus dying for us, the the wisdom of of all of that and more is made known to Satan and, and to his realm. So, if if we 've got those two things down, are, are we all on the same page does that, Does that make sense to you? Is that how you 're reading it also um, it It really scares me on what I do as church because how many times have we stopped going to church because we didn 't like something that had happened or we, we stopped going to church because i don 't know if they do this here, but sometimes they change the colors of the pews uh, and they don 't have seats and Holy cow, if they ever did something that was you know like a different carpet uh, It's scary, and and we leave, or we 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 go into this uproar, um, and churches get divided and split. And how how are we teaching? How are we teaching anybody the manifold wisdom of God through that? What what we do has a, I don't even know what this means. What we do has a cosmic effect. As a church. I honestly believe that the the church is the most important structure in existence today. And it has been since its inception. I believe that there is nothing more powerful, there is nothing on this planet that is worth fighting for more than the church, the bride of Christ. And if we could grasp that somehow, imagine what we could do if if we partnered instead of fought. Imagine what we could do if, if we all... We're on the same team. And I understand that, that some people read theology, or have different theologies as far as what that is, and, and, and I, I get that. Um, what, what if we were pushing forward instead of against? Just something to think about. Uh, how, how do we do this? If, that's, if those are the things, if the church is us, you're right, that, that's who the church is. The manifold wisdom of God is the, the saving power of Jesus Christ and that mystery of Jesus coming and giving us redemption. Um, that's the manifold wisdom and the bringing together of, of the Jewish people and, and the Gentile culture. If, if that's the manifold wisdom of God, how do we show the heavenly realms and the principalities of the earth? How, how do we show that? Give me, give me some thoughts. How, how do we do that? How do we teach that? How do we teach that? I heard somebody, and it sounded good. It sounded really smart, like you should be up here instead of me. These are our actions, the way we live our life, according to God's word. Okay. Above all, love one another more than we love ourselves. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I was going to say love and grace. I think the analogy is that um, Jesus came from God to deliver his message to us. And that is, has become, because we are believers, it's our responsibility to both live it and live through it and reflect that to others so that there's an unbroken line through believers. And in this world, we do do confront evil every day, watching the news, whatever it is, and how... You respond to this world is a measure of your belief system and your belief yeah. in Christ. Okay. D- does anybody struggle with the fact that evil is real? So I know in saying this and in saying that, that the principalities of meant and we're talking about Satan. I know that that could be like super spiritual. Uh, I don't think do we have. We don't need to prove that, do we? That that evil is is here and, it, and it's real and it exists. Uh. Oh, n- I'm sorry. Not to not. A response to the evil thing but stepping back to what you had asked and maybe that we show um, the, the manifold wisdom in that we believe without having seen where I think Lynn had mentioned this before angels have seen him and some still chose to reject him yet we haven't seen him physically been in his presence yet our belief of him is to demonstrate how important that is I mean so part of it is just believing okay I like that and I think all of all of what you said is right. Tell me this. In your world, have you ever had a plan that looked really good on paper,
1: but once it fleshed out, it really didn't become that
0: great of a plan? Is that just me that has really horrible things that we do? Um, I feel like I have to confess this before we go on. I had this really great plan on getting in shape, and it involved me gaining a lot of weight in getting there. Um, and this this is 100% true, which I hate this, but I, my goal was to gain up to about 300 pounds, and I was going to start working out because then I would be huge because it's easier to turn fat into muscle in my mind. Um, And so at about 35 years old, I decided that this was a genius and a beautiful idea, um, and I got up to about 275-ish, and my pants didn't fit, and my shirts didn't fit, and I was so lethargic I didn't really want to work out. Um, And it came to my wife witnessing me eat an entire box of Swiss cake rolls, Um, And her telling me that, hey, you know what? This is gross. Um, You're going to start dieting tomorrow. For me to realize that that may have looked good on paper, but when it went into action, possibly wasn't the best thing I've done. Um, I think the best way that we show a plan as being good is when it's in action. I, I think the most powerful thing that we can do as a church, the most powerful thing that we can do... To show that this plan, to show that this wisdom is real, to show that this wisdom is a great idea, that one of the most powerful things that we can do is to put it in action. Is that that we can start loving others the way that we loved ourselves. Like one of you guys said, it's it's the the great commandment that you love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and then you love others as you love yourself. I I think the most important thing for us to do in this is to stop putting ourselves at the front of everything. and as a church, it's got to start with us because we have, we have an audience now that we know of that's watching us, that's everywhere we go. And our job as the church, I, I think this is why if you go to one, this is why Paul throws this out there. He says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. I think this is why Paul puts so much weight on this. And I think this is why he goes from 4 to 20, uh, 21 with this beautiful prayer, reminding us that, that we can do it. How great and how wide and how high and how deep is the love that God has for us. And, and because of Jesus, this is even possible. But I think for, uh, for this plan to work, I think for us to actually get this into step, we have to start showing the world that we're different. Man, if the church isn't this building, if the church, and this, this is a great building, man, I praise God that he's provided this place for us to worship. But if we're not being the church when we leave this place we're really missing the point of what we're supposed to be doing as believers. The best way to show a plan as being smart and a plan that works is to start to put it in motion. And and the way that that works is, is verse 11. It says, According to the eternal purpose which he accomplished through Christ Jesus our Lord In Him and through Him, I'm sorry, and through faith in Him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I was thinking through this, and and I don't know if this is where you're at right now, but I was horrified to talk to God this afternoon. Because I'm looking at my life and I'm trying to be honest and I'm thinking, okay, I'm possibly one of the worst examples of what the church should look like that I know. Because I know what I should do and I don't do it 99% of the time. I was terrified to sit there and to pray to God. Okay, God, if I'm going to be this example that you're calling me to be and and you're calling us as a church to be, if I'm going to lead that example, my life is a wreck. And and I I love that, that Paul included this because it gave me some hope that in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Do you understand that we even have the freedom to pray and the right to pray and the acceptance to stand before God's presence in prayer? Because of the manifold wisdom of Jesus that That's part of that manifold wisdom of God Because of his son Jesus Christ And because of him coming and dying for us Part of this wisdom is that we even have the, the right To go before God Because we're made right through Jesus We have the confidence then to not be terrified Because we're not good at church <laughs> I'm horrible at church I, I've been in church since nine months before I was born And I, I really Being honest, I'm not a big fan of church I'm not I, I really, I, I love people but I'm just not a big fan of church Cornerstone is one of the few churches I actually enjoy the music um, I, I never understood why would I go to a place and listen to things that I would never listen to the rest of the week because the music wasn't anything that I enjoyed it wasn't anything that that I understood and we, we don't have that here praise God, we, we've got amazing people that lead us in worship and this is stuff that you would listen to throughout the week and and church is different and I'm, I'm learning to like church again I'm learning to love the bride of Christ because I'm understanding how important it is and it's not this place it's us and the best way that we can teach the best way that the best way that this can be made known to the rulers and the authorities of the heavenly realms is through us emulating the life that jesus led for us lynn talked about this t- uh, two weeks ago if you remember right. I-, I remember him saying something about jesus coming as a as the son of god but he came to serve right does that sound like something lynn said um, jesus had this beautiful thing where he came as the son as the, the lamb the sacrifice but he also came as a servant to everyone and his job wasn't to, to be served but was to serve I think that's one of the best ways that we can put this plan into action is service. How does the world around us know that we love Jesus? Isn't it through our love? And and do you understand what this means? This means we have to accept people, even people that aren't like us, and we have to love people even that are not easy to love. And we have to like people maybe of different nationalities and different colors and different backgrounds and different ethnicities and different heights and different weights and different postures and different smells. Um, we have to like the, the really nice guy in the sweater vest that parts his hair to the side that's really easy to like. And then we also have to like the guy that drove in listening to LL Cool J that has tattoos and really likes old 80s rap. We, we, we like all of them equally and we don't get to choose. That's the first thing that pushes us. Guys, church doesn't happen in this building. And and I'm passionate about this. Church doesn't take place here. Church takes place when we leave this place. This is our pep rally. This is where we should be getting jazzed up on who God is. And we should be reminded of what Christ has done for us. And we should leave this place like we just left 10th grade pep rally. And if I I could do a herky, I would right now, if that would help. And we should leave this place and run out of here excited about what God has done with us. So much so that we become the church in our neighborhood. That we become the church in our families. Verse 11 says that that this is God's plan from the beginning. This is how God ordained this from the very beginning. This was his thought, his mindset from from the very beginning. Look in verse 11. It says, according to the eternal purposes which he accomplished... In Christ Jesus our Lord And then verse 12 says In him and through faith in him We may approach God with freedom and confidence And, and I love this And I think Aaron said it Sunday do, do you see what In verse 12 it says In him and through faith in him is, is anybody else in here excited That it's Jesus and nothing else Praise God It's not Jesus in wisdom Or Jesus in good looks <laughs> Or Jesus in, in anything It's, it's Jesus So what authority do you have to go out of this place and to be the children of God? What authority do we have to go out of this place and actually be the church? Christ in you, the hope of the Lord. What what right do we have to go then and to to show our neighbors love when maybe they're not, you know, they borrowed the lawnmower and they still haven't given it back? Because of Christ in us. What right do we have then to go out and to to show love to people that don't deserve it by the world's standards do you understand that when we do that we become the church and we begin to put verse 10 into action does that make sense to you do you see how heavy this is guys this is this assembly called church is so much bigger than what we do on sundays or tuesday nights go to verse 13 and let's look there is everybody good on that it scares me to think through what we what we have as church versus what I've thought of as church my entire life. Look in verse 13. It says, I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. Uh, I love that Paul goes into this and he's like, hey, you know what? I'm in jail right now. <laughs> and I'm in prison because i am told people like you who Jesus is. I've been whipped. I've had rocks thrown at me. I've been made fun of. I've lost my camel. I've had all this horrible stuff happen to my life. I'm in jail right now. And, and I love how he words that. I ask, therefore, that you not be discouraged because of my sufferings for you. I, I love this thought. And, and give me some other, man, some other times that you can think of where, where suffering is, is put in a good light in Scripture. Can you think of any? Well, what are some good times that you think of, not in your own life, but maybe in, in, in Scripture where suffering is something that's positive? Can you, can you think of any at all? Thank you. Jesus on the cross. Okay, definitely. Jesus suffering for us on the cross. It, without that, we have no real... I mean, we should be at Walmart right now. <laughs> if that wasn't a reality. Definitely. What, what else? What, what are some of the other... I think of John sixteen thirty three. 33. Um, turn there and see. It's one of my, one of my life verses. I, I love this passage. Jesus says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. It it, it wouldn't take us long if I I asked you, hey, what's some suffering in your life? That would be easy probably for 99% of us to start talking about suffering that's happening in our life. What if we as the body of Christ, as the church, and and let me throw this out there to you because I want to see what you think about this. What if we as the body of Christ, as the church... To get this plan rolling, to get us thinking and loving other people, what if we had the same attitude that where Paul's saying, hey, don't be discouraged because of my suffering, because it's for your glory? What if we looked at the suffering in our our life as a way to bring glory to God? Is that possible? I I read this book. If if you're looking for a really good book to read, it's called um, The Heavenly Man. It's by this guy named Brother Yun. Um, he's a, a Chinese guy that, that started the cell group movement in China uh, and started home churches. And th- this is a guy that I think it's 2008, 2009 is being whipped. He's being beaten for telling people about Jesus. He's just been arrested. He's thrown into a pit where the feces for the jail drains. Um, he just was shocked with cattle prods. He has both of his legs broken with clubs. And he's laying in this pit broken and bleeding And he said he has this moment where he's thinking to God, what in the world is going on? I've trusted you with my life. I'm laying here broken. I'm laying here bleeding. And he starts praying, God, please remove me from this place. God, please take my life. God, please heal me and get me out of this place. Get me pardon something. God, get me out of this. And then he said, and this wrecked me. He said, and then I became, I became really sad that I was thinking those things. And he said from that moment on, he started praying for strength, that God would give his back strength so that he could carry this burden with dignity. He prayed that God would give him strength so that in the midst of sitting there getting beaten and getting bruised and getting spit on and getting made fun of and being abused, that God would make his back strong so that he could carry that burden with dignity so that it would point people to Christ. That's the same attitude that Paul has. You want to know how to get this plan into action? I think it's when we become the church outside of this building. It's when we take what we call church and all the things that we talk about and that we know up here and we put it in action out there. Is is VBS big here? Can I say just a show of hands, how many of you have ever been to VBS at least once in your life? Just Once. If you have ever been to VBS just one time, do you understand that you know enough to tell someone about Jesus? Guys, what what is stopping us from putting this plan in motion and doing this out there? I I don't know how this usually goes tonight, but as I was reading it, I was really convicted myself personally of, okay, Tim, this is awesome, but what are you doing to put the church out there? That's great, stand up in front of people and, and try to make them feel sorry, but what are you doing and, and I've been convicted. I, I'm not doing everything I'm supposed to be doing out there. And honestly, it's because I'm trying to make sure I'm doing everything in here that I'm supposed to. And I've missed what churches Drastically missed what churches is. What is VBS? VBS is Vacation Bible School. Um, it's this... It's kind of like summer camp, or almost like like a juvenile detention center for kids. BBS, <laughs> uh, my, my parents, VBS was this, it's a very old school um, thing that church, a lot of, not even old school, a lot of churches still do it, where they, pre- they present, um, they, they basically babysit kids for three or four hours a day, and they present the gospel to them. You get Kool-Aid and animal crackers, a Bible story. You get to make a craft, you get to, that's where I learned macaroni art was VBS, um, you make stuff that your parents don't know what to do with when you get home, um, and they tell you about Jesus the entire week, and then at the very end, usually they have this big, huge thing that they gather people together, um, and they try to get your parents to come back then and listen to what God has done through the week. Um, guys, what what would happen if we took church out of here? Do, do you see the gravity? And do you understand now in verse four what Paul is talking about where he says, man, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Do you understand now why I wanted us to start in verse 14? Because this is, this is a little, it's a little, man, it, it's sketchy for me. It's a little scary to think through. I've, I've got not just you watching me now, but I have things above me and going on around me that are watching what I say and do as a, the church. And I have a chance to teach them the manifold wisdom of Jesus Christ coming to this planet, leaving the only place known of perfection and coming to a place littered and riddled with sin. And I have a chance to teach that wisdom if I put it in action. And the pressure, I don't know if you, anybody other than me felt a little pressure at first with that? The, the pressure is not on us, which is why I love what Paul said with that because it's accomplished through faith in him, verse 12. And it's through that faith we have the freedom then to approach God's grace. I, I would love for us to, to do this tonight, just in in, in ending this time. And, and honestly, when it, Lynn asks me this tomorrow, I'm gonna just probably suggest that he starts back over in verse 10. <laughs> um, I-, I would love for us tonight to, to do this. W- what if we as a church body in this building, if we kind of circle the wagons a little bit, And we begin to pray for us to be the church out of this building. I I don't know if we do this or not. But could we get together in just groups of maybe, I don't know, 10, 15 people. And and make sure nobody gets left out. And and huddle together in small little sections of people today. today And pray with the freedom to go before God. and, And to pray for God to use us to be his church outside of this building. Um, I, I would love for us to do that. And then I'll, I'll close this out and, and we'll be done. And then I, I know you may have had a question in there because I, I kind of went fast. Um, Lynn also asked me if I would kind of put a little bit early and just hang out if you had questions to read through this. Um, I, if I don't know, I'll just, we'll text Lynn. And hopefully he's not crazy busy and we'll let us, we'll get back with us. Um, let, let, let's, let, let's do that though. If, if you would, man, let's stand up and get in in circles. 15, 20 people-ish. And just kind of gather the forces. Um, look around to Make sure nobody's left out. Um,
1: and if you feel comfortable praying out loud, then, man, pray out loud.
0: If that's not your, your thing, then know that there's no obligation for you to do that. Um, I'm going to give you about five minutes just to, to get your circle together and to pray. And, and this is what we're praying for so we have direction in this. We're just going to pray that God... God, give us wisdom. How, how, do we, how do we put this into play and become your church outside of these walls? That, that's, that's what we're praying. I don't know how that sounds like in your circle, but that's what we're going to pray for. And then I'll, I'll close this out and we'll, we'll end tonight. So y'all, y'all pray. Sweet Jesus, I thank you so much for your grace. And God, I thank you for, for the fact that it has nothing to do with us. God, you love us actually in spite of who we are. God, you love us because it's who you are. And so, Jesus, right now, I just pray that you would give us wisdom how to actually put this into, into action. God, what it would look like in our life, in our world, in our realm to show, God, what, it, what your wisdom and, and just this beautiful plan of Jesus looks like in action. That, God, the, the, the best plan is, is one that's working and one that's moving. So, Jesus, I just pray that, that we would make you proud. God, that you would look down from heaven and smile because of what we're doing, not so that any glory could ever come to us, but Jesus, so we could have the same thing that Paul would say, that that even if we're persecuted or if we're ridiculed, if we're made fun of, if we lose our job, whatever it may be, God, that we would have the same thing that, that we would say, don't be discouraged because of my suffering, because it's for your glory. So God, I just ask that you would be real in our lives, and God, that our actions would show that, that we really know who you are. God, give us your, your spirit and your presence to our friends and our family and, and coworkers and our neighbors and whoever else you put in front of us this week. Jesus, thank you for being big enough that we can come to you with this type of a, a request and know that it's heard and, and you have the power to do something with it. So Jesus, we ask this in your powerful and beautiful name. Amen. Thank you guys. I I, want to leave you with with this passage and and I thought I could leave you with this because you've already read it. Um, And and it's, again, it goes back to to chapter 2. Chapter 2 verse 12 says this. It says, Remember that at that time you were separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. As we're going out of this place, what if we looked at everybody else and remembered who we were? <laughs> Some of us, we've been Christians so long, we forget what we were like before Christ. Some of us, it's easy because it's still fresh. How this comes to play, and, and that's, that's the best definition. I meant to read this to you a second ago, but that's the best definition I could find of the manifold wisdom of God it is that, that verse that at the time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. And now, praise God, none of that is true. You want to show Jesus to your friends? Remember who you were and what God has done in your life. And if he could save a sinner like me, imagine what he could do to your friends and family. Guys, thank you all for being here and for, for putting up with me. Lynn will be back next week. Um, <clears throat>